Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. When you think of famous people from Arizona, who comes to mind? Maybe it's an athlete, like Olympic gymnast Carrie Strug, or maybe it's a political organizer like Cesar Chavez, possibly a political behemoth like John McCain. A few times listeners have asked us who's the most famous person from Arizona, and we wanted to answer it, but we also wanted to put our own spin on it. So we picked some of the people who come to the top of our mind when we think about celebrities from Arizona. And it turns out everyone picked someone in the arts. In today's episode, you'll hear how growing up in Arizona shaped a world-renowned ballet dancer, an American Idol alumna, and the movie director who made you afraid of sharks. Taylor Seeley, Maritza Dominguez, and Katie O'Connell will bring you these stories. Ladies, off to you. My name is David Hallberg. I am a principal dancer with American Ballet Theater, um, a principal dancer with the Bolshoi Ballet in Moscow, um, and among other titles with other companies around the world. David Hallberg is one of the best male ballet dancers in the U.S. I'm serious. You heard him mention how he's a principal at the Bolshoi Ballet, right? Well, the Bolshoi Ballet was formed in 1776, and it's one of the best ballet companies in the world. So naturally, that makes Halberg one of the best dancers in the world. He was the first American ever to dance with the Bolshoi. It was such a big deal that even Stephen Colbert had him on the Colbert Report. Bolshoi Ballet. David's only 37 years old, but he's been written about in all the dance magazines, featured in the New York Times, and interviewed on NPR. He's even been in Vogue magazine. Basically, he's a big deal, even if you don't know who he is. And while he was born in South Dakota, he grew up and fell in love with ballet here, in Phoenix. Phoenix is home. Phoenix, when I land in Phoenix, I love having a window seat so I can watch Camelback Mountain and, and I don't know, even um, the 51 where, you know, I get off to go to my parents' place uh, because it feels like I'm home. David spent his childhood here from the time he was eight until 17. And in those years, he learned life skills that he would use over and over again in the future. I wish I could say Arizona is a place of solely fond memories for him. But it's not that easy. When David was in elementary school in Paradise Valley, he was terribly bullied. I was called every name in the book. Um, I loved to dance. I hadn't found ballet yet. I was still dancing jazz. And I just did not fit in, um, like many kids, I think, in public school. This era of torment would stick with the future ballet star. Eventually, his parents decided it was best for him to switch schools. They took him to Arizona School for the Arts. It was a new charter school that opened in 1995. Students there would attend academics in the morning and performance arts classes in the afternoon. Each student could choose their major, 
ballet, a musical instrument, or drama. ASA served as an unbelievable refuge for me. Um, it gave me dance, which was great. It also gave me a great education academically, but also it gave me a sense of community that I never felt I had. Full disclosure, I too attended Arizona School for the Arts. That's where I first heard about David Halberg. In our interview, David told me it was once he got to ASA that his dance training really took off. Yeah, you know, ballet training is, um, is very intense. It's like studying a musical instrument. David told me ASA would bus him and the other ballet students to Ballet Arizona after lunch. Then, from about 1 p.m. to 9 or 9.30 p.m., he'd be in dance class, with a small break here or there. But the truly formative experience was a teacher who noticed David started ballet later than most people. He was 13. And Mr. Hahn recognized that I was starting late and said to me, you know, if this is your focus, I'm going to ask you to make up for lost time. We are going to make up for lost time together. Ki Wan Han, Mr. Han. He wasn't at Ballet Arizona or ASA when I went there, but he was a legend, known for being a really strict, but really amazing teacher. We were the only ones in the studio at that um, point in time, and he would drill me like a drill sergeant. You know, it would be like one pirouette after another six times, and then the next series of pirouettes six times, and I was a pool of sweat um, after an hour. David said it was ultimately Mr. Han's dedication to him that laid the groundwork for his career to bloom. He instilled this discipline, I think, that has driven me throughout my entire career, which, which I think is amazing. It's really, really propelled me forward. After ASA, David trained at the Paris Opera Ballet School. To his surprise, the experience mirrored his days of being bullied in Phoenix public schools. I was l'Amérique, which literally translates to the America. Um, they didn't even call me the American. Um, and so I actually repeated a bit what I had in public school uh, years before. I had no friends for the entire year. You know, I went from this blissful experience and I spent the year studying very hard. It was a fabulous school, but with no friends. When he joined the Bolshoi in Russia, David said he was accepted and people were friendly. But being the first and only American, he still felt those outsider feelings from grade school recycling in him. The biggest hardship came for David in the form of an injury. In 2014, he underwent ankle surgery to repair a frayed deltoid ligament. It nearly ended his career. But he fought through it and continues to dance today in New York, Russia, Australia, and more. Ultimately, David said that's how Arizona shaped him. His experiences here made him strong and resilient. Arizona laid the groundwork for his career, and Arizona taught him to always choose his passion, dance. I just was like the ugly duckling. And although it stung at the time, 
in retrospect, it really defined who I wanted to be because it made me realize I really want to dance. I really want to be an artist and I'm going to get through all this crap and not give up. The winner of American Idol 2007 is Jordan Sparks! If you were at all an American Idol fan back in the 2000s, you probably remember this moment. I know I do. Being from Arizona, Jordan Sparks captured the attention of local residents. So how did growing up in Arizona influence her? Well, before Jordan hit the American Idol audition room, you could say there are two major ways Arizona shaped her career. The first would be local talent show wins, and the second would be her time at Valley Youth Theater. Let's dive into the first, her talent show wins. She won Alice Cooper's Proof is in the Pudding contest. She was the first winner of his annual um, talent contest for young performers in the Valley. She won that when she was 14. That's Ed Masley, the Arizona Republic's music reporter and critic. I sat down with Ed so he could give me a little more background on her. He said the Alice Cooper win helped her in many ways. He gave her a lot of confidence earlier in her career as a 14-year-old who won this big thing and then got to play on a giant stage with a lot of celebrities. Next, she was on Arizona Idol, a spinoff of American Idol. The show was hosted on Fox 10, and she won. Her local win helped her get ready for the big time, American Idol. Now, I alluded to this in the beginning. Jordan Sparks' time in local theater also gave her a leg up in the competition. Well, um, I believe she was 12 years old when she started here, and she auditioned for a production of The Wiz. That's Bob Cooper, the artistic director of Valley Youth Theater. He's been with the theater for nearly 24 years. They put a twist on the all-black musical The Wiz, making it a multicultural musical. And uh, Jordan auditioned, and she was in the ensemble. And uh, she showed a lot of promise, uh, great, uh, great character, uh, great personality. Jordan was joined by other well-known alumni from Valley Youth Theater, such as Oscar winner Emma Stone and Chelsea Kane, known for the TV show Baby Daddy. And then we did a production of Cinderella, and she was also in Cinderella. And was that a musical version of that? Yeah, all of them were musicals, mm-hmm. And she sang, sang her heart out. Bob described her as someone who sets her sights high and always challenges herself. One thing is she's very charming, and that helps tremendously. And she had some really core values. She was founded in you know, faith. Her family was very supportive. She learned you know, a lot from a very young age. Not only was Bob her director in the musicals, but he was also a mentor. While she was on American Idol, he said he was part of her support team during the competition. He got an invite to the finale by a Fox 10 reporter, but he had to decline the invite because he was busy with rehearsals. And I got up that morning and I'm like, what is wrong with you? This is a, you know, this is very special. It's a once in a lifetime. I called the, the airport, I got a plane, I flew to, to Burbank. He rushed to the Kodak Theater, getting there just in time. So I asked him, what was it like in the moment before they announced the winner? Well, in a very loud room that had been, you know, a lot of activity, I don't think anyone was breathing. 
I, I mean, it was pure silence. And then when he announced it, you know, the roof went off. I mean, it was incredible. It was truly incredible. How does it feel right now, Jordan? I can't thank you for keeping me around and thank you so much for everything. Her win on American Idol made her an official recording artist. She released hit songs like No Air with Chris Brown and One Step at a Time, songs that 12-year-old me was all about. The single No Air even received a Grammy nomination for the Best Pop collaboration with vocals in 2009. Soon after the release of her album, she packed her bags and headed to Broadway. I asked Bob how her time at Valley Youth Theater prepared her for Broadway. So it sets them up right from the start. They know how to behave, they know how to act, they know how to um, be successful. And it, uh, I believe that helped Jordan. I actually saw her in her first Broadway show, which was in the Heights, and it was quite a treat. She recently made her return to Broadway in late 2019. Playing Jenna in the musical Waitress, I asked Bob what it felt like to see his students reach their goals. It's quite incredible. There's nothing like watching somebody's dreams come true. And um, we've seen so many of that ha them happen. And, uh, you know, it, it fills my heart with such greatest of joy. Sorry, I get a little emotional, but it comes from the heart. I, I love these kids, and I, I love when they go on and, and work hard and have those dreams come true for them. Regardless of whether his students are Oscar winners, Grammy-nominated, or current police officers, Bob is proud of each and every one of them. I would encourage uh, everyone to continue to follow Jordan's career. There's a chance this famous Arizonan made you afraid of sharks. Or perhaps he inspired your sense of adventure. Maybe he even made you curious about galaxies outside of our own. E.T. But if you're like me, Steven Spielberg has definitely made you cry. I mean, Saving Private Ryan, Band of Brothers, even Hook will get me if I'm feeling sentimental. And as it turns out, the man behind some of Hollywood's biggest hits and my biggest cry fests is one of our own. Although he was born in Ohio in 1946, Steven Spielberg grew up in Phoenix. His family moved here when he was about seven or eight years old. And the Republic's media critic, Bill Goody Coons, said Arizona gets to lay claim on Spielberg. After all, Phoenix was the place where he first picked up a camera. I think for formative years and, um, and for coming of age and knowing in, a, in a, a really precocious way what he wanted to do and what he was good at, then clearly it was here. It started during Spielberg's time in the Boy Scouts. He had a merit badge assignment to tell a story. And he asked if he could do it with film, and they let him, and it went well. I don't, it, it just seems like one of, those, one of those times where someone really found 
the thing that they're good at. That not that they're good at, but that they're meant to do. Spielberg would spend his summers lassoing his friends into making films with him, no matter the heat. And he said that he once got severely dehydrated and he learned his lesson and that from then on he's been big on hydration. They didn't have much in terms of equipment, so they had to get creative. They'd use plywood and bags of flour to create explosions on the screen. You could say he was a bit of a creative scamp. During a 1981 interview, he told Dick Cavett about going to a movie theater with a mixture of cream corn and Parmesan. Of course, this was not for a snack. Instead, he sat in the balcony and dumped it on unsuspecting theater goers below as if it were vomit. And making horrible retching sounds from the balcony and squeezing it over all the people sitting below me. Call it early special effects. All of this would lead to Spielberg's seminal moment in town. In 1964, at the age of 17, Spielberg wanted to debut his first full-length film. It was a movie called Firelight. The alien encounter film was set in the fictional town of Freeport, Arizona. There was just one problem. None of the movie theaters in town would let him show the film there. That's Vincent Van Vliet. He's the managing director at the Phoenix Theater, which was called the Phoenix Little Theater back then. Spielberg had actually volunteered with the theater, and he'd also worked in its props department. His father had a connection to somebody here on the board of directors at the time, and they gave a call over here, and we said, come on over, use our theater. Uh, and there was no charge for him to do that. We just opened up the doors, let him use the theater and show the film. Firelight opened to a standing room only crowd. The movie cost $500 to make, but ticket sales brought in $501. Spielberg had officially written, directed, and premiered his first feature film, thanks in part to a local theater, and with a $1 profit, no less. That was the last film Spielberg created in Phoenix. His family moved to LA after the premiere. I tried finding Firelight online, but it looks like only a few minutes of footage exist today. But odds are you've seen something like it from the director. It really became, we believe, the inspiration for, for what was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Spielberg returned to the Phoenix Theater in 2013. He was in town for another event, so the company reached out, asking him if he'd like to see the space. He said yes, and he brought one of his daughters with, and she was about 17 at the time. And he uh, did a whole tour of the backstage area, and then of course he wanted to tour the brand new theater, the Hormel Theater that we had built, and see what we had done with the space, and, and uh, the, the sculpture garden that the museum had renovated. And so we were able to take him through the whole building and, and uh, he had such a great time and uh, uh, it was a really nostalgic, I think, journey for him, uh, as well as showing his daughter um, where he had gotten his start. Today, the entryway to the theater is dedicated to the director. You really can't miss it. It's a bright red arch that says Steven Spielberg entrance. As you proceed through it, 
there's a short story about his firelight premiere. There's also a picture of the director. He's holding a photo of himself from that night in 1964. And in the photo from 1964, he's staring up at the Little Theater's marquee. Uh, Stephen, I think, cares deeply about um, uh, his roots here. And I know that the, the picture of him standing underneath the marquee, uh, that's his firelight when he does his original film, is blown up and on the wall in his office in Los Angeles. Hey, it's me, Kayla again. It's crazy to think of how much artistic talent has come from Arizona. Maritza mentioned this earlier, but there's the actress Emma Stone, or the Saturday Night Live famous A.D. Bryant, musicians like Stevie Nicks and Alice Cooper, even the original Wonder Woman, Linda Carter. If there's anyone in particular you'd like to hear more about, let us know. You can send us your questions at valley101podcast.azcentral.com or you can find us on Twitter at Valley101Pod. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Kayla White, signing off. See you next week.